With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great show for you. I've been trying to get this person on one of my podcasts for quite a while. Finally, we got everything to work out. Megan making money from Twitter. She does some great work with FanDuel, much like myself. She gives out some free picks. She is absolutely tremendous, just a ray of sunshine. We're going to have her on this podcast in the second segment. We're going to be talking to her just about her takeaways from the first week plus of the MLB season, what she's been really looking for with regards to the starters not going as deep. She's really been looking at some of these first five. She's going to be talking about how it's been a little bit more of a struggle this year. She's also going to be talking about just how these players are creatures of habit as well. So that is going to be absolutely tremendous and obviously get her thoughts on Saturday's card as well. And in the final segment, I will be giving you a side in total on every game for the MLB Las Vegas betting board for Saturday and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions as well. If there's something that you'd like answered on this podcast, fire that in my timeline at Jaren's 41 if you send these via DM, aka direct message. Well, letters EM to me mean does not matter and we get into today. So let's dive into them. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. This one comes to us from Jeff Dawson. You can follow him on Twitter at EC Sports Invest and he has at Jaren's 41. Greg with the MLB going to seven inning doubleheaders. Do you think that there's going to be first three and a half or first four? Crazy to even think I'm asking this. This is one of these things where I wish I had a good answer for you, but we've never seen this before. I know that at some of these books in Las Vegas in past years, I think that stations offered some minor league betting, but I don't know if they offered minor league betting on 
double headers or anything like that. I know that they offered things like the Las Vegas Aviators. I never wound up betting minor league baseball. So this is one of these things where I can't tell you. It certainly is going to be strange because if things go to plan, the Milwaukee Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals due to the game being postponed due to COVID-19 on Friday. Of course, my New York post play was Cardinals versus Brewers under. So technically I wasn't wrong. Thank you. I mean, you never had to sweat that one out if you took it. So I gave you that, but with that said, it is certainly strange times right now. I just don't know what to tell you with regards to like whether we're going to have a first four, a first three. You're probably going to obviously have your first inning prop. There is that, but it's going to be just a completely different way of handicapping because if you wind up getting like Jack Flaherty for one of those doubleheader games because he was supposed to pitch on Friday, who knows what's going to be happening with that. You just don't know whether you want to take him for the full game. It's going to be just one of these things where you have to change your entire handicapping. So... It's a situation in which I've never dealt with it. I'm sure you've never dealt with it. And you know what? Bookmakers have never dealt with it. So we are all going to be learning together. So if we're talking about the books always being out a little bit ahead of the players, this is a situation in which you're certainly not going to be having that because I think we're all going to be learning together. And then we get this one in from Slide. You can follow him on Twitter at Slide67. Yes, at GNRS41. Greg, does the fact that players can no longer use tobacco have any effect on their performance in your handicapping? Super question, I know, but that substance is quite addicting. Thanks. And I can tell you it is quite addicting because I used to go to high school out in the great state of Wisconsin, Hortonville High School to be exact, and I love you guys out there in Wisconsin, but I had a bunch of people in my high school class a year below me, a year above me. A lot of them did dip, and I can tell you right now that a lot of those people, if they tried to quit dip right now, they would have a very tough time with it. With that said, I've never dipped before. I can't say that I've heard from anyone that chew has really affected them. Apparently, it may have had a little bit of an effect on Josh Hamilton's downward spiral at the end of his career, but it's one of these things where I really can't take it into account. Now, if I see a guy just seeing a big giant dip with regards to his batting average, obviously, I'm going to be taking that into account and notice how I use the word dip in his batting average. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that pun, but it's one of these things where I just don't know how it affects someone because everyone has a different mentality. It's just like my approach with rain delays. Whenever I see a game go into rain delay, I immediately want the exact opposite of what I took because then you just throw everything out the window. But it is something certainly that I'll be taking a little bit more of a look at because prior to now, I'd really never really thought about this. And to be honest with you, I was watching some of these games. I'm seeing some guys still dipping as well. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about this with Megan making money in the next segment as well. And these players being creatures of habit, that was something that unintentionally came up. So you're going to enjoy that. And I always enjoy being able to look back at yesterday's MLB results and just finding some trends. So... So let's go back to Friday, take a look at those games because we saw some bad beats in the MLB on Friday. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. If you had the under in the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates game, well, you could thank Craig Kimbrell for that not coming through for you. The Chicago Cubs wind up winning by a count of 6-3. This is a contest in which the Pittsburgh Pirates wound up trailing going into the top of the 8th inning by a count of 4-0. to And then Craig Kimbrell in the ninth winds up giving up two home runs. Those home runs were hit by Josh Bell, his first of the campaign, and Kyle Moran was out tied for the MLB lead with four in this campaign, but... 
Craig Kimbrell now has an ERA of a 27. We all saw his work in Cincinnati a few days ago. He's not very good. But Hugh Darvish, actually a very good start. He actually pitched much better on the road than at home during the 2019 season. During the 2019 season, had right around like a 3-3 ERA on the road. At home, it was nearly 5. In this one, 6 innings pitch, 2 hits, give it up. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a team that they just can't get out of their own way with regards to the bat. Only 2 players in their starting lineup for Friday wound up leaving the game with a batting average of a buck 85 or higher. That's absolutely atrocious. And then for the Chicago Cubs, you wound up having Jason Kipnis. Offseason acquisition wind up getting his first home run of the campaign for the Chicago Cubs. 11 total hits at Trevor Williams. You can tell that he's still not quite right. Four and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs, two of which were earned bullpen. From there, they wind up giving up three runs over the course of three and a third innings. The Tampa Bay Rays don't look quite right, and Blake Snell is the big reason why. Six to three, the Tampa Bay Rays wind up losing to the Baltimore Orioles, who are now tied with them with regards to win percentage in the AL East. That's exactly what we expected a week plus into the season. For the Tampa Bay Rays, Brandon Lau was able to get his first home run of the campaign, and for Blake Snell, not a good start. Three innings, he gives up three runs, including a pair of bombs. Pedro Severino, his second home run in two days, and then you also add Henser, Alberto, he went deep a little bit later in this game off the bullpen, but Anthony Santander also took Blake Snell deep, his second of the year. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Alex Cobb, not a terrible start, not necessarily a great length. Four innings, he gives up two runs, but the bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles, five strong innings, they give up one run, they certainly look good in this one. Twelve total hits for them as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, two errors in this game, but I will say bullpen of the Tampa Bay Rays, as it typically does, look pretty decent in this one. They wind up giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five innings of work, so there was that for the race for the Chicago White Sox. They were not done in by the Bubich trap as they wind up being able to get a win by a count of 3-2. to two. It was the first career start for one Chris Bubich who used to pitch for the Stanford Cardinal and he was Bubich trapped in the second inning as he wound up giving up a three-run home run to Adam Engel. That would be all that was given up by the Kansas City Royals. Give it up for Greg Holland. Trevor Rosenthal, Josh Stomont, and then you also had coming into this game Tyler Zuber, and they also were able to get into this game Scott Barlow. They all went an inning of scoreless baseball apiece, and for that matter, I think they only allowed a combined one hit and five innings of relief. So, Kansas City Royals bullpen has looked very good. The hitting was not necessarily so good. They wind up leaving nine men on base. That was a little bit of a doldrum for them. As for the Chicago White Sox, Alex Keiko, pretty good start. Five and a third innings, he gives up two runs. From there, you wound up having Alex Colome, Evan Marshall, along with Jimmy Cordero wind up being able to close the door a combined three and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball from them. This was an epically bad beat if you were like me and had the Rockies in the under. With two outs in the top of the ninth inning, the San Diego Padres were down by kind of five to four. Fernando Tatis Jr. winds up going yard. Then from there, the Padres get two more men on base and Tommy Pham winds up launching a three-run home run off of Wade Useless Davis. Eight to seven the final in this one. You can tell that I have a little vitriol for Wade Davis right now as he gives up four. Count them. Four runs while pitching two-thirds of an inning. And it was what was a very good start from John Gray, who wound up having right around a 3-5 ERA at home at Coors during the 2019 season. Seemed like he was the only guy that could figure out how to pitch in that ballpark last season. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs, two of which were earned. You wound up having Daniel Barr give up a run out of the bullpen, but he was just completely useless at those one. And for the Colorado Rockies, some good hitting in this one. Trevor Story wound up writing another chapter in his home run book. His start of the campaign, Charlie Blackman winds up going deep for his first as Garrett Richards winds up in this one going five and two-thirds innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. He gave up that home run to Blackman, and then uh, the bullpen, Matt Stram, wound up giving up that home run to Trevor Story, and then for the San Diego Padres, of note, Kirby Yates tried to get the save in this one, but it was Drew Pomerantz that had to get the save, as Kirby Yates winds up going two-thirds of an inning, he winds up walking two, he gives up two runs, three hits, he just has not looked like himself so far this year, as he has a 50 
1543 ERA. So he had a whole lot of that going on for the San Diego Padres, by the way. Top offense in the MLB through the first week plus of the year. They're averaging a little bit over seven runs per game. A team that typically has a top offense, the Minnesota Twins, they didn't need a whole lot of it on Friday as they take down the Cleveland Indians by a count of four to one. A lot of their damage was done early. Three runs in the first, one run in the second. That was it. Mike Clevenger winds up only being able to go four innings. He gives up four runs. I will say, Phil Mayton, Oliver Perez, along with Dominique Leon and Cameron Hill, all a scoreless ending out of the bullpen for the Indians. They've always had a good bullpen these last few years. They do so once again. Six men left on base for the Cleveland Indians. Oh, not a lot doing with regards to the bats, so they have been struggling with that regard. And how about Randy Dobnik, who wound up having a nice 2019 season and limited starts. Five scoreless innings in this one. Bullpen from there, they give up one run with Tyler Clipper. Submergio Romo did not wind up completely gas canning this game, so that's good for the Minnesota Twins. And a pair of home runs in this one. Max Kepler, he winds up being able to get his third of the campaign. And Alex Avila, the offseason acquisition at catcher, he gets his first of the season. What else was big was the San Francisco Giants, who all of a sudden have become quite the over team, as I believe that they have now played each out of their last four games to the over. And if you're taking a look at it for the year, this is a team that they've scored five plus runs in, I think it's now four out of their last five. They take down the Texas Rangers by a count of nine to two. In this one, Mike Miner, who was very fortunate to have the ERA that he was during the 2019 campaign, regression has set in here in 2025. In two-thirds innings, he gives up six runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there, headlined by Luke Farrell, winds up giving up three runs in two and a third innings for the Texas Rangers. Sinju Chu was able to get a leadoff home run in the first inning. That was off of Logan Webb. A pass at this team was very good. Webb winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in three and two-thirds innings. But how about the bullpen of the San Francisco Giants? Five and a third innings of scoreless baseball. They give up a grand total of two hits, and those both came in the ninth inning. And for the San Francisco Giants, 5 of 13 with men in scoring position. Wilmer Flores, his second home run of the year. That came off of Mr. Minor as they were able to get 11 total hits in this one. And if you're taking a look at the lineup for the San Francisco Giants, the only player that was in the starting lineup that is now hitting below a 250, Hunter Pence. So that has certainly been a headline. What else is a headline is the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks have not been able to get out of their own way on offense. That is until the 8th inning on Friday. They take down the LA Dodgers by a count of 5-3. to three. Zach Gallen, once again, a pretty good start in this one. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs. He has never allowed more than three earned runs in a start in his career thus far, and it's like 17 or 18 starts, so it's all of a sudden becoming substantial. You wound up having one run given up in the bullpen by the Arizona Diamondbacks by Kevin Ginkle, which I always think is an interesting name, but they wind up going and combine three innings, giving up one run, and for the Dodgers... Can't say that about this bullpen. They actually got a terrific start out of Tony Gonsolin. Gives up one hit over the course of four innings, but he was yanked after 63 pitches. Bullpen from there, they wind up giving it up. Blake trying, gives up four runs, but I will say this, a Justin Turner fielding error really prolonged this inning, and all four runs were unearned. Also giving up around the bullpen, that'd be Victor Gonzalez. So there was that, and for the LA Dodgers, pair of home runs in this one. Mookie Betts, his first as a Dodger, along with Corey Seager, his third of the campaign, and for the years in the Diamondbacks, no home runs in this one, but a team that had really, really been scuffling on offense finally got it figured out in the eighth inning of that game. A team that had not figured out how to play an under all year long, the Seattle Mariners, they get their first under of the year, and they wind up doing so by being able to get a win. They have now won three straight games 
Seattle takes down the Oakland A's by a count of 5-3. to three. You can tell that this is an A's team that they just don't hit right-handers the way that they do lefties as Mr. Taiwan Walker, a guy that just has not been able to stay healthy the last couple years. Seven strong innings he gave up one hit. Now they turned it over in the bullpen to Brian Shaw, and man, he did not look good in this one. He wound up giving up three runs over the course of an inning, but being able to get the save, former Milwaukee Brewers, not so great. Taylor Williams, as for the Seattle Mariners, they did not get a home run in this game, but they wind up going 4 of 14 with runners in scoring position. Kyle Seeger all of a sudden has eight RBI along with Kyle Lewis, and for the Oakland Athletics, you wound up being able to get an RBI triple out of Marcus Simeon. That was good for the team, but John Manea did not look sharp in this game. Four and a third innings. He gives up five runs, three of which were earned. Give it up to the bullpen. They were able to go a grand total of three and two-thirds innings without giving up a run, including two innings from Jordan Weems. He's been a little bit solid for this team. And what else is very solid? The Houston Astros offense. They take down the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim by kind of 9-6. For the Houston Astros, they were able to do some damage early with four runs in the second inning. They didn't get any home runs in this one, but Jose Altuve and George Springer, a pair of RBI, and Kyle Tucker... You may know his brother who's currently playing out there in the KBO, Preston Tucker, for RBI in this one. And for the Houston Astros, Lance McCullough wound up getting the start in this one. He only went four innings and gave up four runs. Got to give it up to a Houston Astros bullpen that has been badly scuffling. They wind up going in this one and combined five innings. They give up one run in the process. And the secret weapon for this team, Andre Scrub, a guy that doesn't even have a profile picture on ESPN. He winds up being able to give this team another good outing. He looked very good in his two and two-thirds innings in that series against the LA Dodgers. And in this one for the LA Angels of Anaheim, it just was not a good start for Matt Andres. He winds up recording five outs. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Cam Bedrosian out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up a run. You wind up having Kenyon Middleton give up a run out of the bullpen. And then also giving up a run out of the bullpen. Kyle Keller as in total. You wound up seeing a grand total of eight relievers for the LA Angels wind up entering into this game. If you're looking for a bright spot for the LA Angels, how about what they're getting out of the top of the lineup from Brian Goodwin? He winds up going yard in this one, now hitting above a 440 as he winds up getting his second home run the campaign. That's been very good, and obviously, this is a team that is playing without Mike Trout. So... They are certainly dealing with not having one of their big cogs in the lineup, but a big cog that was able to come through, that would be the Mets' bullpen if you wound up beating them as they wind up blowing a six-run lead. The Atlanta Braves win 11-10 in a game that was just absolutely wild and crazy. The Mets put up a six-spot in the fifth inning, and this one, Sean Newcomb, not a good start. He goes four and a third innings. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned. One you least just seen recorded four outs, and he wound up giving up four runs. That's not necessarily great for the New York Mets. J.D. Davis was able to go yard in this game. That is his second of the campaign. Amid, Rosario winds up being able to get his first home run of the campaign. And then you also had Robinson Cano. Don't you know he's back? He was able to get his first home run this season. And for Robinson Cano, by the way, he's all of a sudden hitting a 360. So that's very good. But for the Mets, Rick Porcello did Rick Porcello things. He went four innings. He gave up four runs, three of which were earned. Lowering his ERA to 1350 in the process. But how about this Mets bullpen? All four relievers that came and gave up at least one run. You wound up having good old Dylan Batances give up four runs in a third of an inning. Paul Seawald, he went one inning. He gave up one run. Jason Shreve was the headline of this bullpen. He winds up giving up 
One run over the course of two innings, and then Seth Lugo gives up a run while recording two outs. Just absolutely not good. As for the Atlanta Braves, a team that they have been scuffling a little bit themselves with regards to batting average. No home runs in this game, but they go 6 of 19 with men in scoring position. And Chris Martin was able to get the save for an Atlanta Braves bullpen that is clearly a little bit more reliant than that of the New York Mets. And to wrap up the night, we wound up seeing the Detroit Tigers go to 5-3 and three as they take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 7-2. They were on to Cincinnati, and Spencer Turnbull was on to a very good start. Six innings pitch, he gave up two runs. He is now 1-0, and he has pitched very well against the Cincinnati Reds, a team that they are scuffling right now with the bats. You've got, obviously, Mike Boussakis and Nick Cassianos doing very well. Nobody else in this lineup wound up hitting above a 260 when it was all said and done, aside from Tarker Barnard, who has been sort of a platoon catcher for this team. Luis Castillo wound up getting lit up like a Christmas tree. He winds up going six innings, giving up five runs. Good news is his walks issue from 2019 is not as bad. He's only given up two walks and two starts so far this year, but clearly the Detroit Tigers have figured him out. And Rossiel Iglesias, not necessarily the best start of the year for him. He winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in his ending of relief. And for the Detroit Tigers, bullpen looked very good in this one. Three combined scoreless innings. Gregory Soto, Buck Farmer, along with Brian Garcia were all able to provide a scoreless inning. And for the Detroit Tigers, very good story here from Jacoby Jones as he is now hitting a 423. He notched another RBI in this game. So that's what we all noticed from the MLB on Friday. Now let's turn our attention to Saturday. Let's get the thoughts of Megan making money with regards to what she's seen so far this year any teams that she is going to be looking to bet on Saturday, and so much more. And that's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by our next guest. There is someone by the name of Megan, and she's making you money out there on Twitter. And we are being blessed to be joined by her today. It is Megan Making Money, which is her Twitter handle. And just keep in mind, making is spelled with no G at the end. So M-A-K-I-N on that, as it is Megan joining me right here on the podcast. Does great work giving out some free plays on Twitter. She's also now a contributor for FanDuel Sportsbook. And Megan, it is great to have you on the podcast. We've been trying to work this out for quite a while, and I'm glad we were able to make it happen. I am so happy that we were able to ha- make it happen, too. I mean, since, I mean, I think we were trying to get on here since before the virus, and then a bunch of craziness happened, and then now I'm with the two kids at home and trying to find a quiet moment to actually sit down and speak with you. It has proven to be pretty difficult, but I'm glad that I'm here and glad we can talk and i'm glad that we have sports back for the most part oh i am right there with you right now i'm glad i didn't take any of these season win totals because i think that we're going to be seeing a whole bunch of refunds with those who knows what's going to be happening with that regard and just how have you been looking at this baseball season in general because one thing that i thought we were going to see coming into the season is the starting pitchers not going very deep and that certainly has been the case so i've really beefed up with regards to just looking at some of these bullpens trying to take into account that regard and just trying to see, okay, what's going to be happening later in these games because that's where a lot of these contests are being decided because certainly a starting pitcher is critical, but if these guys are only going four innings, that means that over half the game is going to be decided by the bullpen. Right, no, I've noticed that too. And I actually thought that the managers were going to start pulling pitchers much earlier than they have been, but been letting them go pretty deep besides like 
the snails of the world, you know, those are getting pitch counts. But other than that, it's just they're letting them throw a lot deeper than I thought they would. It certainly has been fascinating to see some of these guys wind up being able to go deep. You're seeing a lot more guys now going 90-plus pitches. And something I'm looking for with regards to my starting pitchers that I've been backing a little bit more is guys that don't offer a lot of walks because – we noticed it a couple days ago in the Arizona Diamondbacks game. Robbie Ray, who does a great job of being able to get strikeouts. Last year, he wound up having a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He always does a good job of that. What he does a bad job of is that he walks a bunch of guys. As a result, he knocked himself out before the fifth inning with that Arizona Diamondbacks versus LA Dodgers game. We noticed this with the Nelson Lamette as well with the San Diego Padres. Always does a good job of being able to get strikeouts. But he would always jack up his pitch count. He winds up getting out after five innings against the San Francisco Giants. One in which he was very lucky to only give up one run. And by the way, he wound up stranding eight men on base. That's sort of an angle I'm looking at as well. These guys that they don't walk a lot of guys like a Jacob deGrom, a Kyle Hendricks. These guys that they're just able to go out there. They're able to keep that pitch count down. That is something I think is important as well. Yeah, and I've noticed there's really not been a lot of variance between these teams. I mean, like you have. For example, the Mariners and the Giants and the Rockies. And I mean, like the Marlins were in what, like the first place in the East before they, you know, got kicked out for the, the virus. It's just like it's been so frustrating for me personally to cap because, you know, usually you, you, you're finding some trends, you're finding some, some things that you're liking that's going on. And I love first five unders. And there's only been like a couple of times where I just haven't been killed on them. And, that's something that I usually, you know, where I make a lot of my money during baseball season. And with everything being so unpredictable from day to day with these teams, it's, it's been really frustrating. I don't know if it's been as frustrating. I haven't had a chance to look at your record or anything, so I don't know how you've been doing. But it's been frustrating for me on this side. It has actually been the best start to a year I've ever had going into Friday. I was up 21 and a half units, so I was actually having a very good run of things. Look and you. And the big reason why is because what I've noticed is that the dogs have been barking this year. I just, like you mentioned, the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams, it's not as great. And a big reason why is because you just don't know who's going to get scratched on a night-to-night basis. We see it on opening night. Juan Soto, a few hours before the game, he's out for the Nationals. A couple hours before Dodgers versus San Francisco Giants, Clayton Kershaw. Boom, he's out. Steven Strasburg, a few hours before his first start. Boom, he's out. And what that does is that whenever you have a star player that winds up being out of the fold, typically it provides a little bit more value to the underdog. And I think that that's an approach that you need to take. And if you're going to wind up betting on some of these favorites, I encourage a lot of people to just sit around, wait a little bit. Even if you get five or ten cents worse on the line, it's better to have that insurance rather than bet the Washington Nationals against, like, some team like, let's draw out there, the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example. But if the Washington Nationals wind up losing Adam Eaton and Trey Turner two hours before the game, did it really do you any good to fire in a couple hours earlier to get the Nationals at minus 140 when they were minus 145 before those two guys wound up going out? And that's the thing. I feel like no one knows what's going on. And that's why I'm so surprised to hear that you're doing so well. So I'm glad that you've been able to catch on with, with something. I've literally been mediocre. I haven't had like an awful, awful day, but I also haven't had like a great day yet. So hopefully I'll catch on. I'll pick up what you're putting down per se. <laughs> oh, you're going to do great, Megan. As we do have Megan making money on the podcast. It's right in the name. So I certainly do think that it's going to be going well for you. And what teams have just been intriguing for you in general? Because 
One team that I've noticed that has been a little bit better than expected is the Detroit Tigers. They wind up adding in the offseason C.J. Crone along Jonathan Scope from the Minnesota Twins. Two guys that wound up combining for 48 home runs. Going into Friday, they were actually tied for the league lead in terms of total home runs. That's something that really stood out to me. Another team that really stands out to me with regards to how they're doing is the Boston Red Sox because we know that the pitching for them is absolutely terrible. Aside from Nathan Evaldi, Dare I say, Zach Godley is probably going to be taking them on on Saturday as their second-best pitcher, but somehow, someway, they piecemeal two wins together against the Boston Red Sox, and those things have been very, very off with regards to the 2020 season. One thing has remained constant. Good old Jacob deGrom always gives great starts for the New York Mets, and he never gets run support. That's one thing that we're always able to bank on. I tried to be so much smarter than I should have been, and I went against the Mets opening day. You know, I was like, you know, I know DeGrom's on the on the bump. I know, you know, Mets don't usually lose, you know, but I think they're going to. And, of course, that definitely didn't go my way. And you mentioned the Red Sox, which is funny because I actually like them. I know, <laughs> but I like Godley taking on Tanaka. I really do. Well, we all know Masihiro Tanaka gets Tanaka around, and Zach Godley on this podcast has been known from time to time as being Zach ungodly awful, but the last time he took the mound, he wound up giving four scoreless settings, and he wound up preserving an under for my bankroll. So he did do a little bit of something there if you wind up getting a nice plus price with the Boston Red Sox, because you do have a guy in Christian Vasquez who coming into Friday was tied for the league lead with four home runs over the course of seven games. You do have a little bit of something there. You got to think that guys like Rafael Devers and company are going to be able to get it together for the Boston Red Sox. And that's what's intriguing about so many of these teams. You've got some teams like the Boston Red Sox. They've got a terrific lineup. You throw in there J.D. Davis. Andrew Benatendi's off to a rough start. He's probably going to pick it up. They do a terrific job there. Pitching is a hot mess. That's putting it very politely. Teams very like, politely. And then you've got other teams like the Cleveland Indians where the offense just has not been there for this team. But you've got Shane Bieber over the course of two starts. 27 strikeouts for this team. Been nothing short of masterful. Zach Plesak winds up going eight strong innings. The bullpen winds up not being able to hold on against the Chicago White Sox, but by and large, they're able to do a great job there. And you just have some of these teams that it feels like they give you a lot on one end of the spectrum with regards to pitching versus hitting, and they're not able to give you a heck of a lot with regards to the other. And I think the big key is trying to find those teams that maybe do a little bit of both because those are really the unicorns in the MLB this season. Oh, no, I agree. And it's, it's, it's so funny. Like literally the two teams you brought, you brought up the Red Sox and you brought up the Indians and the Indians are another team I'm looking at. But as far as the Red Sox and the Yankees go, I really do feel like, you know, Tanaka's getting up there and he's going to be knocked around. And I'm not exactly sure what the odds are over at FanDuel yet, but I'm, I'm thinking that you're going to be able to get the Red Sox for some pretty good plus money. Right now, as I'm seeing it, the Red Sox. About plus 190-ish, give or take. You might find it a little bit higher. You might find it a little bit lower, depending on your book. But plus 90, plus 190, certainly a little bit of a appealing price with a total right now on that game of 10. Definitely. But of course, you know, as we alluded earlier, you don't know what's happening. And the variance in these teams is crazy. You could have Red Sox come out and put up, you know, 12 runs and... Then the next day they come out and don't do a bang, uh, which has happened to me whenever I bet on them. So the other, other one I'm looking at is the Indians. I'm a huge Brasco fan. I mean, look, he beat leukemia and he's back on the mound. I love good storylines like that. Big storyline girl over here. I'm not sure if you like things that pull on your heartstrings as well, but how can you go against a guy that beats leukemia and comes back and 
semi-retired and then comes out with an extra edge. I don't know. I just, I, I, I also really like the Indians tomorrow. Megan, you know that I'm someone that likes good storylines. That's why we're a lifelong Blobs fan on this podcast. I mean, who <laughs> can, blob. I mean, who can root against the smiling Blobs of the KBO, better known as the KT Wiz, as we do at Megan Making Money joining me on the podcast. And I do think that's a good point that you bring up with Carlos Carrasco because when he came back from leukemia during the 2019 season, he was coming out of the bullpen. You could tell that he didn't necessarily look like himself. It was just an awkward role for him. And then he comes out first start of the year, 10 punch outs. He looks like his normal self. I do think that that's big because some of these guys that are coming in in some of these games, they're typically starters and instead they're coming in for long relief, like three or four inning stints, and they just don't look like themselves. Meanwhile, you also have some of these guys that typically they're used to going like, two, three innings in relief, and instead they're being pushed into the starting role. And you can tell that they're not really used to it as well. And I think it's big to be able to take a look at that as well because different pitchers perform better in various roles. And we know that these guys, among all athletes, are probably the biggest creatures of habit. And I do think that finding a pitcher just with regards to them being able to find their niche, find their role is big as well because whenever that equilibrium is thrown off, these pitchers can be very volatile. Right. And speaking of creatures of habit, as you just said, I mean, I've been watching the spitting and like the everything. Are, are they doing anything about that? Or have we figured out if like they're actually enforcing anything about that, that rule as far as players safety is concerned? You get my high school principal who says, don't do it again. Even though if you do it again, what you're going to get after that is the high school principal saying, don't do it again. That's pretty much the way that I'm engaging it right now. I know that some people have asked me on Twitter if I think that guys that are chewing and everything like that, if them taking that away does anything for slash against them. I really have not been able to take a look at that. I'm someone that has never chewed personally. I don't think that that's really going to make a big impact. But with that said, I can tell you right now, I've not heard anyone really getting popped with that. And something else I'm looking for as well, because you do bring up all the issues that are going on with professional baseball is if we wind up getting the St. Louis Cardinals and Milwaukee Brewers game on Saturday, because as we're recording this podcast, it's Friday evening and we know that the game on Friday was canceled. Game on Saturday right now up in the air. They're going to try to play it if at all possible. I'm really curious to see what happens there because obviously we have no idea what the pitching matchup is going to be at this point. It was supposed to be Jack Flaherty, Brett Anderson for Friday. You got to think that it's probably going to be the same for Saturday, but at this point we don't know. And just how a team responds to having their game the day before canceled by COVID-19 because typically if a game gets canceled, these guys, it's due to a rain out. They're able to just be able to go out, have a little bit of a good time, maybe even get in a little bit of light work. Typically, these guys, maybe they go to the ballpark and then they wind up going home. These guys are just stuck in their hotel rooms right now. I got to think that this is just something that psychologically is strange for them. Right. And again, you said they are creatures of habit. So, you know, all these guys having what exactly they're doing before every single game. You know, there's some guys that don't wear the same underwear. There's some guys that eat the same meal. I believe is it like Paddock's that, eat, that slams a whole pizza before he pitches? I, don't, I believe that's who it is. But there's just, you know, creatures of habit. So whenever they're not allowed to do this or you can't do this or they wouldn't advise this, it has to play a psychological role. It's just Baseball, in my opinion, is the biggest superstitious sport ever. And for them to not be able to, to do or feel like they're able to do exactly what they want to or what they're usually doing, I feel like it actually does play a, a pretty big role on their mental health. 
I do agree with you there. It certainly is a strange year, not just with regards to baseball, but just with regards to life in general. I mean, we've got something called Fight Island with the UFC. We've got basketball games that are being played at Disney World. As of right now, we might be doing away with so many of these rivalries in college football. And we've got Notre Dame in the ACC in college football. So, I mean, it certainly has been just a strange year for sports in general. And Megan, you've been doing a great job of following along with a little bit of everything. I know that you're doing some great work with FanDuel. I know that you were doing something a few days ago with that Lakers versus Clippers game where if a certain amount of people wound up betting on the Lakers, the line would jump a point and it wound up being the Lakers plus 52 when it was all said and done. So if you wound up taking the Lakers, well, you were able to get a win there. So good on you. I actually would have probably. No, no sweat. <laughs> I Honestly, it sounds really bad, but I would have just laughed so hard if the Lakers would have lost by 60 because I'm sure that FanDuel would have probably still given the win, but it's like, what the heck just happened here? But with that said, Megan, you're doing an absolutely terrific job. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media and just what you all have planned in general for the weekend and the coming weeks to come. Well, you all know you can follow me at Megan Making Money on Twitter, the M A. K-I-N. There was not enough caricatures to add the G. So that's just a fun fact for you. Probably doing a lot of ponies, which again, I'm not an expert, but I am learning and they are so much fun. And it's a great sweat if you want some action during the day. Obviously have some baseball. And well, NBA is also not my expertise. I may have a pick or two for that coming up as well. And you can always go to me for your information on the Smiling Blobs and how to bet those games as well. So, we- Of course, between you and my buddy Top Flight, y'all are my, my KBO guys. I, I love to wake up and you two be the only ones on my feet. It's amazing. Uh, it certainly has been a lot of fun. I mean, it doesn't matter the level of baseball. You can tell that these guys absolutely love the game. That's what's so important. And hey, it's fun. It's entertaining. In a year in 2020. I gotta ask you though, what's your sleep schedule looking like? Because when I talk to the, the my other friends that are really capping this KBO, they're setting alarms and getting snaps in when they can. So between your runs and your podcast and your KBO and all your other capping, when do you sleep? Oops. My sleep schedule, if you've ever seen the meme of like Krusty from The Simpsons and all those judges that hold up a big giant zero, that is right now my sleep schedule. So. There is that. It certainly is a lot of fun, though. I try to get in a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. Like before the MLB games from like three to four, once I fire in all my bets, I'll try to get in an hour. And then from there, I'll try to get in like a few hours between like six and 10 a.m., things like that. And then I'll set alarms in order to fire in some bets from there. It's just absolutely wild and crazy. But we are. It's just madness. It certainly is. We are rolling with the punches, much like you are. So a big thanks of Megan making money. Does absolutely terrific work joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time podcast. They give you a sign total on every game on Las Vegas betting board for Saturday. And a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in Mobile, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to our girl, Megan Making Money, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the Saturday MLB betting board as we 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jarrus41. When we get to 965-966, the St. Louis Cardinals versus Milwaukee Brewers game, we obviously don't know if that game is going to be played or not, so that is going to be skipped. And as per usual, we are going in Las Vegas rotation order. This begins with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Cincinnati Reds hitting the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. Michael Fulmer is going to be going for the Tigers. Meanwhile, Trevor Bauer is going to be going for the Reds. If you're looking at the Reds, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 155 and seeing his eyes minus 168 right now. That means that your plus price here with the Tigres is going to be anywhere between plus 145 and plus 152. And the total on this game is 9. The over is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I really like what I saw from Trevor Bauer in his first outing. This is someone that has very electric stuff, obviously. He became a little bit of a head case towards the end of the 2019 season, but when he's able to put it all together, it is very masterful. He wound up having in that first start of the season, ironically enough, against these Tigers. 13 punch out, 6 in a third innings. He did give up a home run. And for the Detroit Tigers, all of a sudden, you've got a team that's able to match. CJ Crone along with Jonathan Scope had a combined 48 home runs with the Minnesota Twins during the 2019 campaign. And going into Friday, I believe that they were tied for the league lead with regards to home runs. And they've been doing a good job of being able to get on base. You've got a couple guys like Miguel Cabrera who's not hitting for average, but he's been hitting for power. Victor Reyes is doing a nice job for this team. Austin Romine has been a good addition. And then you've got Jacoby Jones hitting in the nine hole. He's got a couple home runs. He's hitting above a 400 for the Cincinnati Reds. They've been doing a little bit of mixing and matching with regards to their outfield as Shogo Akiyama, who comes over from the MPB, wound up making a start on Friday. He's been hitting a 211. He's been a little bit of a disappointment. Mike Wusakis and Nick Cassianos have really been the two guys that have been able to get things going. Cassianos, two home runs, 375 average, but then you take a look at Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Freddie Galvis, along with Eugenio Suarez. All these guys hitting a 220 or lower. It's been a little bit of a rough go of it there. Joey Votto seems to be going a little bit cold right now. And for the Cincinnati Reds, bullpen seems to be a little bit overrated. Rossiel Iglesias did not necessarily look good on Friday, but with that said, what you need from the Cincinnati Reds team is a good start, and I certainly think that they're going to be able to get it from Trevor Bauer. And for Michael Fulmer, this is a guy that, according to the Detroit Tigers, they're going to be using him sort of in like a opener plus sort of role. We saw that in his first start. Doing two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up three home runs in the process. He has a whip of a 225. I always say that if your whip would be a good bench rest for a set of 10, you're not doing well. He is not doing well right now. And for the Tigers, they did wind up using Gregory Soto, who's actually a very good bullpen arm, but they still have a couple in there. So I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think that Trevor Bauer is going to give an amazing outing in this one. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking here at the run line of the Cincinnati Reds. Seeing that at most places right around minus 110 might be a little bit variance there by the time this podcast is uploaded. But with that said, Reds run line and the total under is where I'm looking on this one. 953-954 and 955-956 are both skips. That was supposed to be Nationals versus Miami Marlins and Philadelphia Phillies versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Thanks to the fish for frying that for us. We do not have those games, so instead we move to 957-958 on the betting board. You've got the Kansas City Royals and they are going to be playing those the Chicago White Sox. Gio Gonzalez is going to be going for the White Sox. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, it is Ronald Blanos. And if you're looking at this total, it is 10.5 under. It's just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the White Sox, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135 is where you're finding them. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Royals, I'm seeing as high as a 
plus 125 out there as low as a plus 115. And this is a situation which I've got to be taking a look at the Chicago White Sox. Offense has been scuffling a little bit this year. I'm not going to lie. This is a bunch that they have scored five runs or fewer in pretty much all but one of their games so far this year. So it is one of these spots in which I'm a little bit confused. But I do think that this team still has some firepower. Luis Robert is a rookie of the year contender. He's still hitting above a 300. Yasmani Grandal, you got to think that he's going to be able to build off of that 118 average. And you've got a lot of guys doing a good job of getting on base in general. Tim Anderson, as we all know, was the batting title champion in 2019. Yohan Mankata, 370 on base. And James began ever since he's been behind the dish for the team for a couple games. He's been solid. Adam Engel had a three-run home run for the team on Friday. And then when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, this is a bunch that you've got pretty much everyone in this lineup, aside from a couple outliers that are hitting above a 215, but below a 290. Whit Merrifield is hitting that 290, but you've got like Salvador Perez hitting a 250. Rory Solaire hitting a 286. We all know the power that he's capable of. And Ryan McBroom has been able to give the team a little bit of something. He hasn't walked it all this year, but he's hitting a 235. He was able to give the team a home run on Friday, so you do like to see that. And then you've got a guy, Nicky Lopez, that's not getting on, but you've got Alex Gordon who was able to get a little bit of something going in the team's previous series against the Detroit Tigers, which is obviously encouraging. Mikel Franco comes over, pair of home runs for him. He's hitting a 250, so you do have a little bit of something going on here. I do think that Gio Gonzalez is going to be able to give a halfway decent start here. We know that in his first outing of the year, it certainly did not go as planned as he wound up being a long reliever. I believe it was for one Ronaldo Lopez, and Came in and he gave up in the process of three and two-thirds innings, five runs. That was against the Minnesota Twins, so obviously that wasn't necessarily what they planned out there, but this is someone that is wily veteran. I think he's going to be able to give this team four or five strong, and with the White Sox, we know that this team has guys like Evan Marshall, Aaron Bummer, and company that are very good out of the bullpen, and for the Royals, bullpen has actually been surprisingly decent, and you should have someone like an Ian Kennedy available for them as well, so for that reason, we are going to be taking this little under, and we are going to be taking a look at the Chicago White Sox, and I'll probably be taking a look at the White Sox run line in this spot at plus 110 as it stands right now, just because when you take a look at Mr. Ronald Bolanos, this is someone that wound up in his first start of the season, wound up being able to go two innings and didn't give up any runs, but you just look at him for his career, it has not necessarily gone as planned. While he was with the Padres, he wound up making three starts, he had a 595 ERA, this is someone that he wound up walking 12 guys in 19 and two-thirds innings. I just really don't trust his command. I think that he has the potential to get taken deep a lot. He just is someone that needs to learn to locate, and I don't think he's going to be able to do a very good job in this spot. I think he's going to have a very quick hook on him. So we're going to be looking at the White Sox most likely on a run line price that might be a little bit subject to change, and we're going to be taking a look at this total under as well. We move on to 959, 960 on the betting board. You've got the Tampa Bay Hot Shell Rays hitting the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Wade LeBlanc is going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, you've got Tyler Glass so it's going to be on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. If you're looking at the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 210 and minus 220. If you're looking at the O's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 180 and plus 190. And your total on this game is 9 over and under. Pretty much across the board is at minus 110. And with Tyler Glass now, this is someone that before he got injured during the 2019 campaign was just absolutely remarkable. ERA, sub 2. He came back in the postseason and looked pretty solid in his first start of the year. Didn't necessarily give a lot of depth, but 4 innings pitch, 9 strikeouts in the process. He wound up giving up a solo home run to the Toronto Blue Jays, but by and large, he looks solid. And for Wade LeBlanc, he's certainly someone that's going to give up runs, but he is able to give you length. In his first start of the year against the Red Sox, a win for the Baltimore Orioles. He wound up going five and two-thirds innings. In the process, he wound up giving up four runs. He gave up two bombs, but... 
This is certainly a Tampa Bay Rays lineup that is not necessarily doing the best job of being able to get on base. You take a look at what they've all got. G-Man Choi at the top of the lineup. He's hitting below the Mendoza line. Brandon Lau and Willie Adamas are both hitting above a 300. That's very encouraging, but they're really the only guys in this lineup that are hitting above a 250. They bring in Yashimoto Sutsogo from the MPB. He's right now hitting a 240. He hasn't necessarily been doing great. Yandy Diaz, he is hitting below a 150 right now. Hunter Renfro's hitting at the Mendoza line. He's never been able to hit for average. Mike and you know, he's always a liability at the plate. And then when you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden you're getting something out of this offense. Pedro Severino, a home run in back-to-back games. He wound up going deep off of Blake Snell Friday. You've also got Anthony Santander who's got a pair of home runs. You've even got someone like a Hanser Alberto. He's sitting above a 400 this year. Did a good job of getting on base last year. Got a little bit of firepower with this bunch, but I think that Tyler Glasnow is certainly going to be able to do a good job of taming them. The Orioles just, throughout time, have actually had a little bit of success against the Tampa Bay Rays. I just don't think that that's going to duplicate itself in this spot. I do think that LeBlanc is going to be able to give a solid start here. But with that said, I think the class now is going to be able to do a great job of holding down the fort. And we all know about this Rays bullpen and how good they typically are. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking at a run line price here with the Rays, seeing that right around minus 130 to minus 135. And I'm going to be going with this total under as well. 961, 962 on the betting board is up next. The Cleveland Indians are going to be hitting the road face off against the Minnesota Twins. Kenta Maeda is going to be going for the Twinkies. Meanwhile, you've got Carlos Carrasco who's going to be going for the Cleveland Indians. If you're looking at this total, it is nine over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 110. And if you're looking at the Indians, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between minus 120 and seeing his eyes at minus 133. This is certainly a situation in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Indians. They weren't able to get a lot of offense generated in the front half of their game against the Minnesota Twins, but what you got to love about this team is the fact that all of a sudden, Jose Martinez, after he looked absolutely anemic during the 2019 season, he's been able to get something going. This is someone that's hitting right around a 400 on base percentage, hovering around a 500. He has been terrific. Now he needs his friends to be able to join in on the party. Jordan Luplo is hitting as well as I am, a 0.000 for him. Now they do bring in Domingo Santana. He's hitting right around a 250 and then Carlos Santana is right in the same range as well, but you haven't been able to get a lot of power out of them. Francisco Lindor on base percentage is hovering right around at 250. You expect a little bit more out of him. And then Oscar Mercado has just been a hot mess at the plate. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, obviously you've got some very good bats in the lineup. Max Kepler, all right, three home runs for this team. They bring in Josh Donaldson. He's hitting a buck 82. You got to think that that's going to go up. Nelson Cruz, he does a little bit of everything. Couple home runs already this year. He's hitting above a 335. He's been doing absolutely terrific. Even Jake Cave is able to give this team good power. And then Luis Arias at the bottom of the lineup. He does a good job of being able to get on base. But with that said, I do think that Carrasco is going to be able to give a very good start in this spot. You take a look at what he did in his first start of the campaign, obviously against a little bit of lesser competition, but he winds up being able to punch out 10. He looks like he's his old self. I was talking about it with Megan. Carrasco just seems to be much better as a starter than he was coming out of the bullpen during that 2019 season. You could tell that he was a little bit of a fish out of water, so it is good to see him being able to get things rolling. I think that he's going to be able to give a good start here. I do think that he probably is going to give up a couple runs. That always is the MO of Carrasco. He's always going to give you like 10 to 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also going to give up a home run and a half plus per nine innings as well. So that is a little bit of an issue. But then when you take a look at Kenta Maeda, I just always have a tough time buying in on him. It always seems like he has some very quality starts. And then there's always that one time in which he stubs his toe in his first start of the season. He wound up going five innings, giving up two runs. He had six punch outs in the process, but I don't look at him as too much of a swing and miss guy. I do think that the Cleveland Indians bats are going to start to get going in 
And with the Minnesota Twins, they do have some long relief guys, but I can never trust as he's called on this podcast, Submergio Romo in a big spot. So for that reason, we are going to be going with the Windians, and we are going to be going with the total over as well. We move on to 963, 964 on the bang board. The New York Mets are hitting the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. If you're looking at the Braves, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 122 and minus 125. Meanwhile, with the Mets, they are anywhere between plus 105, which obviously that's a little bit of a bad price, seeing them as high as plus 115. Your pitching matchup for this one, Michael Waka 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 Chch is going for the New York Mets as I made the Pac-Man noise there. <laughs> Meanwhile, going for the Atlanta Braves, Tuki Toussaint. And your total on this game is 10, and I'm seeing a 10.5 out there as well. On the 10.5, obviously, your under juice is minus 120, and the over is even. But with the 10s, you're finding the over right around minus 115 and the under at minus 105. This is a situation which I've got to trust in the Atlanta Braves once again. The New York Mets bullpen did what the New York Mets bullpen typically does. They blew a six-run lead to the Atlanta Braves on Friday. It was absolutely comical and hilarious. That is what we fully expect from the New York Mets at this point. I will say this. The New York Mets are starting to get some runs being able to be produced. Yoana Cespedes obviously was out the entire 2019 campaign. He hasn't necessarily been hitting for average, but he's able to give this seem a little bit of pop with the New York Mets as well. You have to do like the fact that J.D. Davis was able to get a home run in that game on Friday as well as he's hitting a 320. Jeff McNeil is someone that does a good job of being able to get on base, wound up missing the team's game with regards to being in the starting lineup on Friday, but he wound up making a pinch hitting appearance. Michael Conforto doing a solid job, and Robinson Cano all of a sudden hitting a 360 with a home run. He's finding the fountain of youth, but when you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, you knew it was just a matter of time before this team was going to start to hit, and they've got a whole bunch of guys that you got to think are going to be able to pick it up. You take a look at Ronald Acuna Jr., Ender Enciarte, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall. What do these guys all have in common? They're all hitting at the Mendoza line or lower. I have a feeling that they're starting to pick it up, but Dansby Swanson has been absolutely terrific. He had two hits in the team's game on Friday, now hitting a 387. I really like what I'm seeing out of him, so that is something that is very good for this team. And then when you just take a look at this game in general for the Atlanta Braves, you are going to have more of your trustworthy guys like your Shane Greens and company. They're going to be available for this game and for the New York Mets. Well, they did not wind up using Jersich Vermilia, who is spun for a blown save along with their man Edwin Diaz because they had been used up two days earlier. So you have to try to overcome that as well. This is certainly a situation where I've got to be taking a look at the Atlanta Braves. I do recognize the Tuki Tucson in long relief against the Tampa Bay Rays about five or so days ago. Did not necessarily look great, but during the 2019 campaign, this is someone that he was switching off between long relief and being a starter. And I've always found him to be much better in the starting role personally. I think that this is going to suit him very well. He is someone that has very good swing and miss stuff. He certainly is going to bring down his ERA of 20.25 in the start. And for Michael Waka, he actually has done a pretty decent job over his career. Now, he's always had a walks issue. Go figure, the name Waka. But with that said, I think he's going to be able to keep this game out in front of him. First start of the year, he wound up giving up one run over the course of five innings. I do think that this is going to be a situation where he probably gives up like three over the course of five. That always seems to be the Michael Waka MO. But I think that Tucson is going to be able to put some fire on the New York Mets lineup. So for that reason, we're going to be going with this little under, and we are going to be going with the Atlanta Bravos. We move on to 965-966, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. This is Brewers versus St. Louis Cardinals. We have no idea if there's going to be a game. We have no idea who the starters are going to be. Just no sense of talking about it right now. 
if this game winds up being played and we know who the starters are going to be and everything like that, I'll have plays up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. We move on to 967-968 on the bang board. The LA Angels are going to be playing mostly Houston Astros. Zach Greinke goes for the Strohs. Meanwhile, Griffin Canning for the LA Angels. If you're looking at the Angels, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Strohs, you're going to be finding them as high as a minus 170. I'm seeing them as low as a minus 153. You're seeing some awkward numbers tonight. Total on this game is nine over and under both at minus 110 certainly a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Houston Astros they were able to start to click on offense after they were really silenced with regards to the bat in their series against the LA Dodgers now they were able to do a very good job of playing overs against the Seattle Mariners but we all know that the Seattle Mariners aren't necessarily the most trustworthy pitching staff in the world but what I like about the Houston Astros is that you just have it from so many guys George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Yuri Gurriel, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, all these guys hit a 275 or higher with 20-plus home runs. Kyle Tucker has been able to pick it up. He's now hitting more in the neighborhood of about a 275. And Martin Maldonado has actually done a good job at the catcher spot as well. And for the Angels, God thinks that Mike Trout is going to be out once again, but now you've got Anthony Rendon. He and Joy Otani have been struggling from an average standpoint, but Otani was able to get two home runs in the previous series against the Seattle Mariners. That is something that you do like to see. David Fletcher has been doing a terrific job getting on base. He, along with Goodwin, are both combined to hit right around a 400. So they've been able to do something at the top of the lineup. Tommy Lastella wound up getting injured after having a good first half to the 2019 season. He's right now hitting right in the neighborhood of about a 230. Gotta think that he's gonna pick it up. But then you've got guys like Hermesio, Jason Castro, Luis Rangifo. They just don't do a good job of getting on base at the bottom of the lineup. So it's very top heavy with the LA Angels. And for Zach Granke, he wound up having this storyline during the 2019 season as well. Getting roughed up in his first start and them bouncing back. I certainly do think that it's going to be a little bit less of a bounce back than he had in 2020, but I certainly think that he's going to be able to avenge his first start in which we went only three and a third innings, giving up three runs. We know that the Astros' bullpen is not necessarily deep, and for the LA Angels, the bullpen for this team, absolutely atrocious as well, and you gotta think that the overmanagement of Joe Madden is gonna get to him. He got no length whatsoever out of Matt Andres in the team's game on Friday. That is certainly going to not bode well for Griffin Canning, who wound up in the team's last start going four and two-thirds innings. He did have seven strikeouts. He's got very good swing and miss stuff, but once again, walks are an issue with him. You wound up giving up two walks in that start, and you take a look at what he did during the 2019 campaign. 458 ERA. He did have a strikeout-to-walk rate of a 3.2, but he also gives up a little bit of the long ball as well, as he wound up surrendering 14 home runs in right around 90 innings last season. That's just just not necessarily great, and the Houston Astros, they do a good job of being able to pound the ball, and this is a game that's going to be played at 4.15 p.m. Pacific. This is a ballpark that plays a little bit differently towards the afternoon slash early evening. You might have a little bit of a twilight period, but I think the Astros are going to be able to overcome that. I think that they're going to put up a bunch of runs on the board, so we're going to be looking at a run line here with the Houston Astros. If you're looking at this Astros run line, you're going to be finding it varying a little bit, but as I see it right now, you're finding it in the neighborhood of between even money and minus 105, so we're taking that, and we're going to be going with this total over as well. We move on to game number 969-970 on the betting board. You've got the Boston Red Sox hitting the road to face off against the New York Yankees. Going for the Yankees, it is going to be one Masahiro Tanaka, and it is going to be Zach Ungodly Awful who's going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. Hopefully you enjoyed how casually I said that. Your total on this game is 10, and I'm seeing a 9.5 out there as well. If you're looking at the 9.5, your over is juice of minus 125, and the under is minus 105. Meanwhile, on the 10s, you're going to be finding the over juice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Yankees, you're going to be finding them as high as minus 205, as low as minus 190. With the Boston Red Sox, anywhere between plus 175 and plus 180 is where they are spot.
spotted right now. So it has dropped a little bit since our interview with Mega. But with that said, I'm certainly going to be looking at the Boston Red Sox. I actually like what I saw out of Zach Ungodly Alpha when he came in in long relief against the New York Mets earlier this week. Four scoreless innings. That was big for a Boston Red Sox team that, let's face it, they just need any signs of life from this pitching staff. And for Masahiro Tanaka, he wound up getting hit by a line drive to begin summer camp, which is why he has not made a start so far this year. And you just take a look at Masahiro Tanaka for his career. You just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him from game to game. This is someone that he has a history of giving up quite a few home runs. During the 2019 campaign, he wound up giving up 28 home runs over the course of 182 innings, so right around 1.4 per 9 innings. He certainly is someone that does a good job of not walking, guys. He wound up giving up right around 2 walks per 9 innings, but he just gives up so much contact that it makes it tough. And for the Boston Red Sox, they were held down with regards to their bats on Friday, but you gotta think that they're gonna be back with a vengeance. Christian Vasquez already has 4 home runs so far this year. Kevin Pillar is hitting above a 400. That's been a little bit surprising. You've got Alex Verdugo and J.D. Martinez, two guys that I think are going to get kick-started. Rafael Devers selling below the Mendoza line. I think that that's going to pick up. And for the New York Yankees, you've obviously got a high-powered lineup. John Carlos along DJ LeMay, who are both hitting above a 400. Aaron Judge is just providing a lot of power at this point. He's got home runs in back-to-back games. Aaron Hicks has been off to a little bit of a rough start along with Luke Voigt, but Voigt had that grand slam a couple days ago against the Baltimore Orioles. Joe Urshela got off to a little bit of a slow start. He wound up hitting a home run on Friday as well. So I do like both of these lineups with the New York Yankees. you got to think that you're going to have Zach Britton in the bullpen after he wound up being used on Thursday, so that is a little bit of an advantage for them, but with that said, I think Masahiro Tanaka gets to knock it around. Red Sox bullpen is not necessarily great. I think that that leads to a lot of runs, and I think that Zach Ungodly Awful winds up giving a better start than our man Masahiro Tanaka, who I think is going to get to knock it around. So for that reason, we're going to be going with this total over, and we're going to be riding with the Boston Red Sox. 971-972 on the betting board is up next. You've got yourself the LA Dodgers hitting the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver goes for the Snakes. Meanwhile, you've got Julio Arias, who's going to be going for the LA Dodgers. Your total on this game is 9.5. The over is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Dodgers, it's anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. With the Snakes, you're getting anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135, and this is a situation in which I've got to be looking at the Dodgers once again. We all forget Julio Arias, who's currently 23 years old, was looked at as a phenom about like five or so years ago. He wound up having some major surgery, and he's come back, and he's looked very good. In his first start of the year, he goes five strong innings. He did issue three walks, but with that said, he only gave up one run in the process. Meanwhile, Luke Weaver, he just had a hot mess of an inning when he went up against the San Diego Padres in that fourth inning. I believe he wound up giving up five runs, so that was not necessarily ideal, but Luke Weaver himself is someone that you're able to trust as a starter during the 2019 campaign. I like what he was able to do. Shortened due to injury, but four and three record. He deserved a little bit better than that. 294 ERA. Strikeout to walk rate was a 4.9, and he does a good job of keeping the in the yard typically as well, so that is something of note, and with the LA Dodgers, this is a team that they clearly have been able to do a good job of getting on base throughout the year, but they do an absolutely terrific job of stranding men on base as well. That is one issue that you do have with this LA Dodgers team. Mookie Betts just has not really been able to find it so far this year. He was able to get a home run on Friday, but this is someone that's hitting below a 240. That is certainly not what you expect from Mookie Betts. The catcher spot with Will Smith not getting jiggy with it, and Austin Barnes has been a little bit of an issue. You do have to like the fact 
fact that Corey Seager is hitting above a 300. He's hit some bombs. Justin Turner down for what is hitting nearly a 300. But even Max Muncy isn't doing the best job of hitting for average despite the on-base being very good. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a team that they just can't get out of their own way on offense. You've got three guys that are hitting for this team. Cattell Marte, Sterling Marte, along with Christian Walker. They're all hitting a 280 or greater. Everyone else in the starting lineup from Friday hitting a buck 75 or lower. Aside from Eliarmo Vargas. I will give Eliarmo Vargas a little bit of credit. He's hitting at the Mendoza line. But with that said, it's not good. Cole Calhoun can't get on to save his life. He was able to hit 30 plus home runs during the 2019 campaign, but he's just not supplying that right now. It has certainly been an issue for this team. But with that said, I do think that we are going to get a little bit of a lower scoring game as a result. I have a little bit of faith here in the LA Dodgers bullpen with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're probably going to see Andrew Chafin and Andrew Chafin. Well, he makes you Chafin whenever he comes in because he's just not very good. So this is a spot in which I am going to be taking a look at this total under and we are going to be going with the LA Dodgers. We move on to 973-974 on the bang board. The San Diego Padres are going to be in the road to face off against Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Joey Lucchese goes for the pods. Your total on this game is 12.5. Under is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. If you're looking at the Padres, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 118 and minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, you're going to be finding them as high as a plus 110, as low as a plus 105. So you got a little bit of bad news there. And with that said, it is going to be a starting pitching matchup of Joey Lucchese for the San Diego Padres and Kyle Freeland for the Colorado Rockies. And this is a spot in which I'm going to be looking at the Rockies once again with Kyle Freeland. We all forget during the 2018 season, he was absolutely masterful at home. And then during the 2019 campaign, he was about as useful as a poopy flavored lollipop. So you just don't know what you're going to get there. But he is someone that I believe that he wound up growing up in the state of Colorado. So he is very familiar with pitching at altitude, which is why he was so good during the 2018 season. And he came back with a vengeance in his first start of the year against the Texas Rangers. Six strong innings. He winds up giving up two runs. That is what you like to see out of him. And then for Joey Lucchese, this is someone that he always pitches well at home, but his career ERA on the road versus at home is a full point and a half higher. So this is a situation which I don't think necessarily bodes well for him. And then when you take a look at this Padres lineup, it's just a little bit of a mystery as to what you're going to be able to get day in and day out because with the Padres, you certainly have Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top. He was able to give the team what would have been 40-plus home runs had he played a full 162. He was on pace for that. He wound up being injured and he wound up missing some time. He wound up hitting right around a 300 for the campaign. And this is a team that is all of a sudden getting some very unlikely production out of Jake Cronenworth. He's hitting above a 400. I like to see that. But with that said, you've got Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges, Francisco Mejia, along with one of our good buddies from the Oakland A's in Drixer Profar, all hitting a buck 50 or lower. You had Eric Hosmer really getting off to a nice start. He's been on the bench the last couple days. It seems like he's dealing with a little bit of an ailment. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is obviously a team that they do much better work at home than they do on the road with regards to their lineup. You've got Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman who's been able to get on base. Nolan Arado off to a little bit of a rough start to the year. He's hitting right around a 200, but Sam Hilliard was able to get a home run in that series against the Oakland A's. You now have Matt Kemp being used as a pinch hitter, and he's actually been quite decent. Tony Walters at the catcher spot has been lacking a little bit, but with this Colorado 
Colorado Rockies bullpen. Daniel Bard was able to once again do a solid job for the team on Friday. He's not going to be available, but you got to think that guys like Jario Diaz and company are going to be able to. And with the Padres, we all know about them having guys like Craig Stamen, Kirby Yates. Now they've put Matt Strand back at the bullpen where he truly belongs. He was not a good starter during the 2019 season, but always reliable out of the pen. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I think that Freeland is much better suited to be able to pitch in Coors rather than Joey Lucchese. So for that reason, we're going to be riding with this total under, and we're going to be taking the Colorado Rockies. 975-976 on the betting board is up next. You've got Mitch Keller and the Pittsburgh Pirates in the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. With Keller going for the Pirates, you've got him dueling against Tyler Chatwood of the Cubs. Right now, you've got no total on the board. This is traditional for good old Wrigley Field. They never really post a total until the morning because they are going to want to take a look at the wind. Wind probably going to be blowing in much like it was on Friday, so I will throw that in there, but with that said, if you're looking at the Cubs, finding them anywhere between minus 153 and minus 160, which means that your plus price here with the Pirates is anywhere between plus 140, and seeing as I is about a plus 150 in this spot, and with Mitch Keller, he actually had a good start to the 2020 season. During the 2019 season, he was a very highly title prospect and he just didn't wind up delivering. It's just one of these situations in which he had a bunch of punch outs during the 2019 season but he just kept on giving up our contact and he kept on walking guys. First start of the year in 2020. He winds up going five innings and he gives up one run. That's very solid. The walks were still up there with three but instead of focusing on strikeouts he was just focusing on getting normal outs and I think that that's very good for him and you take a look at this Pittsburgh lineup in general. Well, it certainly has not been good, and that's putting it very politely. This is a team that has a collective bottom 10 in the major leagues with regards to batting average. Here's what you got. You got someone in Colin Moran who's hit a couple home runs. He's hitting above a 300. Cole Tucker's hitting a 333. Everyone else that was in the starting lineup on Friday is hitting a buck 75 or lower. That is absolutely terrible. Josh Bell had 115 RBI during the 2019 season. Jack Diddley squat. Draw Dyson is ancient. His legs are gone. He is not hitting to save his life. Adam Frazier can't buy a hit at this point. Kevin Newman is looking like the Newman from Seinfeld. He has one hit in his first 19 at-bats of the season. He has been terrible. Gregory Polanco, as many hits as Gregory Peterson. I mean, come on, guys. Do a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, obviously. Got a little bit more firepower here. They bring in Jason Kipnis in the offseason. He's hitting above a 425. He got a home run for the team on Friday. Ian Happ has been a little bit tough with regards to batting average, but he's providing a little bit of power. You've also got Ivy Bias, who's got a pair of home runs. Anthony Rizzo's not hitting for average, but he's doing a great job of hitting bombs. Chris Bryant is only hitting right around a 100, but with that said, he still has some pop in the bat. you got to think that he's going to be able to turn around at some point. We have to be fearful of with the Chicago Cubs, though. The bullpen. I mean, we saw what our good buddy Craig Kimbrell did a couple days ago. That was not good. Brad Wick is an absolute hot mess. List goes on and on. You really can't trust anyone with regards to the Chicago Cubs. Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen, well, they're walking the plank. They're not very good either. There's really nobody that I trust with them either. So the total, it's going to depend on whether the wind is blowing in or out. But with that said, with Tyler Chatwood, he wound up having a good start to 2020 against the Milwaukee Brewers. But We've seen this Milwaukee Brewers team not be very good with the bat so far this year. He wound up going six innings, gave up one run in the process, eight punch-outs, but what you always fear with Tyler Chatwood is the walks. Last time he was a consistent starter during the 2018 campaign, he had a strikeout-to-walk rate that was hovering right around a .9. He had 95 walks to 85 strikeouts. 
That is absolutely terrible. 5.30 ERA. I think it's going to catch up with them. I think that this is exactly what the Pirates need to get right because they're going to be able to take a bunch of bases. All they need is a big fly or two, and they're going to be able to blow this game open. So we're going to go with the plus price here with the Pirates, and we're going to be going with this total to be determined since we don't have one on the board. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRScorty1 there. 977-978 on the banging board is next, and this is my New York Post play of the day as it is the Oakland Athletics sitting the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. You say Kikuchi is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, Mike Straight Fires goes for the Oakland A's. Your total on this game is 9.5. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the A's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 143 and minus 145. A. And you're going to be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. And Canada's new favorite team in the A's has certainly been a team that hits left-handed pitching much better than right-handed pitching. You take a look at what they did during the 2019 campaign. They had the biggest splits on how they hit lefties versus righties. Against righties, they were hitting right around at 242-ish. Against lefties, more around at 262. So that is big. You've got a couple guys in this Oakland A's lineup that, let's face it, they're just not cutting it. Marcus Simeon during the 2019 campaign. He was absolutely terrific for this bunch. He hasn't necessarily been able to get things going here in 2020, so that is an obvious issue for this team. You take a look at what you're getting out of Matt Chapman. Chapman is obviously a terrific fielder, and he wound up hitting that walk-off grand slam to begin the year. But past that, he's hitting right around at 240 medals and sitting below the Mendoza line. Stephen Piscotti's all sorts of loss up there at the plate. Phil Ramon Loreno hitting right around at 350, and Robbie Grossman has been able to provide something. And then you take a look at the swinging Seattle Mariners. How about this team being able to put five-plus runs on the board in five out of their last six games? Going into Friday, they were the lone team in the MLB that had yet to play one of their totals under. You've got Daniel Vogelback, who just does absolutely nothing with regards to an average standpoint. He's not even in the starting lineup at this point, but he was able to supply 30-plus home runs during the 2019 campaign. Kyle Lewis and Kyle Seeger have both been terrific. With Lewis, he's hitting above a 400. He's got, like... Eight or nine home runs in his first 22 games of his career. He's a future stud. Tim Lopez hitting above a 300. This is someone that I really like with regards to an upside perspective. J.P. Crawford has been doing a nice job of getting on base. And then you got D. Gordon, who's got some of the best wheels out there in the MLB. But with that said, with Yusei Kikuchi, he's made 33 starts in his career. 22 of them have wound up going over. This is someone that wound up making his first start of the year against the Houston Astros. He wound up getting completely shelled. He's got a lifetime ERA that's above a 5-4. It's absolutely terrible. He gives up a lot of hard contact, and he's a lefty, so I think the A's are going to hit him and hit him hard. And with Mike Fires, he's getting off to another rough start to the year. Through his first six starts in 2019, he had an ERA above an 8. In 2018, through his first six starts, it was right around a 4-7. And in 2017, it was right around a 5-5. So he has a history of doing this. I think that this is going to be another high-scoring game. So for the New York Post, I gave out the over. And I'm going to be looking at the Oakland A's in this spot. Whether it be money line or run line is right now the question. As I'm seeing it right now, the A's run line is maybe a little bit of a plus price. So I am leaning a little bit more towards the money line at this point. Unless I can get a little bit more of a plus price. But with that said, going to be on the A's in some form or capacity. Capacity, and we're going to be taking this total over. And then the last game on the betting board is 979-980, as you've got the San Francisco Giants, and they're going to be playing us to the Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, it is mystery pitcher, which means that this game is currently off the board, which is par for the course for the San Francisco Giants. But you got to say this, the San Francisco Giants lineup has actually been able to get a little bit of something going. Ever since they 
they just got absolutely shellacked in their first two games of the year against the Dodgers, scoring one run apiece. They've scored at least three runs in every one of their games ever since then, and four-plus in all but one of them. So they are starting to come around, and what's big for this team is the fact that you've now got Brandon Belt along with Evan Longoria back in the lineup. With Belt, he didn't necessarily perform the best in 2019, but Donovan Solano hitting above a 400 along with Austin Slater and Mike Ustremski. The young guys for the San Francisco Giants are coming around. Darren Ruff, who winds up coming over from the KBO, he's been able to give this team a little bit of something. He's hitting above a 300. So all in all, you've actually got something to be had with the San Francisco Giants lineup. Now, the bullpen is not what it was during the 2019 campaign because you wind up losing a couple of those pieces. I know that they wound up trading Mark Melanson at the trade deadline along with Will Smith. No, not the Will Smith from Hancock. No, not the Will Smith for the other team in California in the LA Dodgers but with that said, the Will Smith the pitcher, there's just so many of them that it's not even funny, but with that said, what is not funny is the fact that the Texas Rangers have just not been very good on offense so far this year. Joey Gallo has been able to give the team a couple home runs. Sinchu Chu was able to get a home run for the team on Friday as well, but you just take a look at this lineup. You've right now got nobody that's hitting at a 300 or higher, and the guys that typically perform just are not. You've got Joey Gallo has been able to provide a couple home runs. His on-base percentage is halfway respectable. Nick Solak has been hitting quite well as well, but then you take a look at guys like Robinson Chirinos, Elvis Andrews, Willie Calhoun. You even take a look at Sinchu Chu, who wound up going deep on Friday. All these guys hitting at the Mendoza line or lower. Todd Frazier, along with Rudad Odor, are never typically good batting average guys. And you know what? That's playing out this year. I will say, for the Texas Rangers, they do have a solid bullpen, and they were able to get some length out of Mike Miner, who was able to pitch into the sixth inning on Friday. So that is something a little bit promising with the San Francisco Giants. It's just anyone's guess as to who they're going to be trotting out there. And for Jordan Lyles, he wound up ending the 2019 campaign on an absolute burner run. He was terrible, and I mean terrible, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was absolutely terrific with the Milwaukee Brewers. I will say this, prior to 2019, I don't think he ever won a start in July. That was just one of those big, giant oddities, and his first start-slash-relief appearance of the year in 2020, two scoreless settings. So, there is a little bit of something there. The Rangers, you gotta think, are gonna want Lyles to go 5-plus in this one. It's one of these situations in which I just need to know a little bit more about the San Francisco Giants and what they're trotting out there, but what I am noticing is that you're seeing a lot of totals of 8 in San Francisco just because the ballpark plays so deep, but with everyone being able to get on base for the Giants, I probably would be looking at an 8 over, and if you're getting someone like for the San Francisco Giants, I'm sure that it's not going to be Jeff Samarja in this spot, but if it is the former Ranger himself, Drew Smiley, that winds up getting his start, it is a situation in which I would be willing to bite on the San Francisco Giants at like plus 125 or higher if you're finding the Texas Rangers at 140 or lower, and it's Smiley who's the starter. Might be taking a look in that direction, but this is a lot of speculation, so check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1 for set plays there. And that is where you're also able to fire a question that you have for this podcast. If you have one on the Twitter feed at JarenScorty1, a big thanks to Megan making money for joining me in the second segment on this podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. Always appreciate you guys listening. I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.